Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, your host, Charlie Nesmith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. It has been an absolutely incredible week on the Flying Baton. We launched about seven days ago, and in that time, we already have 600 subs to the podcast, which is crazy. I'm just completely blown away by the support. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please consider joining our Facebook page. We're going to start having guests on the show starting next week, and it'll be a cool place where you can interact with a guest and ask some questions about some of the things they talked about on the episode. Today's episode is all about recruiting and how that fits into the 21st century. A lot of the ideas I'm going to share with you today, I got from a number of people. One would be my predecessors, Alan Kirkdorfer and Sheba Lane, who started a lot of the really cool recruiting practices that we have at my school today. And the other would be from Jeff Scott and Emily Wilkinson and their book, Habits of a Successful Middle School Band Director. And I pretty much consider that book the Bible of teaching middle school. In fact, I buy it for every single student teacher I have in my program. It's just such a useful and valuable resource. I'll put a link in the show notes, as always, where you can find that book and buy it. It's absolutely amazing. Now, my school has about 40% of sixth graders enroll in band each year. So we have a total school population of 600, grades 6 through 8, and we typically have 220 kids in the band total. Now, before we get into recruitment strategies, there's one key takeaway we need to take from Jeff Scott in Habits of a Successful Middle School Band Director, and that is the 20-60-20 rule. And that is the following. About 20% of the kids in your program are your rock stars. They're your all-district kids, the kids who are super talented and gung-ho about band, and nothing is going to stop them from enjoying music. Then in the bottom 20% of your band, you have kids that need band more than band needs them. So they're not the strongest players, but band is one of the few good things they have going on in their life. It's one of the only things they look forward to in their day. So while they may not be very strong players... They are also diehard all about the band. Then in the middle 60%, you have what's known as the social crowd. These are kids who are in band largely because their friends are in band or because they think the band director is really cool. Now, if you don't have good recruitment strategies or your reputation of your school or perhaps yourself isn't so good, you're going to lose that 60% of the group. And what you're going to be left with is the superstars who are amazing and the kids who can hardly play their way out of a paper bag, and that will be it. You know, the 60% social crowd is the heart of the band. They make up the body of the band sound. And once you lose that, the program is not going to be in a good place. Now, if you're a high school director listening to this, please don't think that it's the middle school director's job to send you kids. Music alone will only motivate those 20% top and 20% bottom to join your program. Those are the kids who are going to do band no matter what. But for the vast majority of that 60% social crowd, you need to sell you to the kids. You need to sell your program to the kids because that ultimately is going to decide if band is something they want to be a part of in high school. And of course, if you're a middle school director, don't rely on the elementary music teacher to send you kids. You need to go down there and touch base with those kids and recruit. I think the middle school directors and high school directors need to spend about equal energy recruiting kids into their programs because ultimately... Most kids are not going to take a class with a complete stranger if it's an elective class. They want to know what they're getting into. They want to know what the teacher's like. They want to know what the level of success of the program is. So you have to go and sell that to the school underneath of you. All right, how do we do that? Well, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to focus on three main areas today, visibility, communication, 
and taking the fear out of kids deciding to be in band. All right, let's talk visibility. Imagine this. You're walking down the halls of your feeder school. What do you hear when you're walking down the hall? What do you hear if you drop into the lunchroom? What you want to be hearing is you want to be hearing a constant murmur of, oh, that's Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. They're the band teacher. Or that's my sister's music teacher. I went to their concert last week. That's what you want to be hearing. You want to hear those sounds of recognition. The kids know what you look like. They know what you do. And they know what you're about. If you were to walk down the halls of your elementary school, if you're a middle school person, um, if you were to walk down there right now and don't hear anything, then you have a serious branding problem. And that needs to get addressed ASAP. Now, some really good ways to increase visibility is to visit the elementary schools with a performing ensemble. For example, in the fall, I have something called the Woodwind Ensemble. So we meet about eight times and we learn a bunch of Christmas music. And then we go to each elementary school and just play during lunch. And I don't even get on the microphone and say anything. We just show up. We're all wearing our Shelburne Band hoodies. And then we play a whole bunch of Christmas tunes. And sometimes the kids sing along and sometimes they just clap in it. You know, but it's just a good way for them to just see us and see what we do. Some schools take their jazz band down to the elementary school and just do a little performance. Now, another thing that we do is we take our sixth grade band down to each elementary school in about March, and we do a little concert for them. And one person from each instrument gets up on the microphone and they say why they enjoy their instrument, why they love it, and they might play a little short solo on it. And then I ask the band, hey, raise your hand if you went to this elementary school. And then all the hands shoot up in the air. And the fifth graders might recognize a lot of those students. And that's one of the reasons why I take sixth grade. I know a lot of people take eighth grade or they might bring like a high school ensemble down to play for the elementary school. Um, And that's great. Sonically, I'm sure it would be better. But I like taking sixth grade because the sixth graders are going to know a very high percentage of those fifth graders and they're going to latch on to that. And it's such a good recruitment tool. Now, as far as public performances, if you think about most band programs, they do their winter concert, their spring concert maybe a trip to a theme park, maybe a trip to concert assessment. And that's kind of it. And those things are great. I think the problem as far as recruitment goes is who is the clientele and the audience at those performances? It's mostly the parents and siblings of people who are currently in the band. So I'm a strong believer that you need to get out into public and perform for people who may not be a part of the band program yet. So this could be having a pep band and playing at a game that your school is doing. Um, One of the things that my school does and it's, it's kind of crazy, even now, I've been doing it for seven years now, it's still crazy thinking about it. Our sixth graders march in the winter parade in town. Now, when they were interviewing me for the job, and they told me about this, I was definitely like, wait, your sixth graders do what? Uh, ha- how? How is it? What? How's it even possible? But we sort of figured it out. And, um, you know, it's really interesting because sixth graders aren't coordinated enough to both play and march in time. Like, they can march in time, fine. And they can play fine, but they can't do both at the same time. So they end up all being out of step, but they keep a very, very nice rectangular formation that looks really good going down the street. We have this huge banner that says Shelburne Middle School sixth grade band that we put in front of the kids. And it is huge for visibility. Now, to be completely honest, we we spend more time on it than I really want to spend on it because you want it to be good and look good and sound good. So it's about three to four weeks of preparation to get it really nice. So it definitely takes up more time than I want and probably sets us back a little bit pedagogically from my ideal place. But the visibility is so 
good. And the recruitment of it is so good because kids will come up to me all year, little tiny elementary school kids, and they'll say, oh, I saw the band in the parade. And it's it's just so good for visibility. So I haven't been able to like kill it yet. I mean, I kind of want to. I kind of want to try some something different, but it's just so good for visibility. I just I'm having a hard time uh, like pulling the plug on it. Another idea was started by my coworker, John, last year is something that we call Party in the Park. So we had sixth through 12th grade band perform at our local park. There's this big band stand down there. And we had a small army of food trucks and lawn games and all kinds of stuff. And each ensemble would come up and they would play just one or two pieces, something poppy, something fun. And it was a very informal thing. So there were kids playing all over the place. Our park in town is a very essential meeting location for a lot of people. It's very, very active. There's tons of people around. And this was awesome for visibility. Plus, having all the food trucks there brought in people who weren't necessarily there for the concert. And they came and stayed anyway because we had all the best food trucks, ice cream trucks, brick-fired pizza trucks. It was amazing. It was so, so good for public visibility. So these are all ways that you can get your performing ensembles in front of people who wouldn't necessarily come to a regular band concert. And that is very, very important for visibility. The next step is communication. Now, your organizational skill, or lack thereof, will get around. Word will travel fast about are you good at communicating? How fast do you communicate? What is the tone of your communications? The parents will talk. So if you are really organized and really on top of things, and the parents feel like they are always in the loop, that is going to get around, and they're going to spread that word down to the elementary school parents and say, hey, band is the place to be. They're very well organized. It's a really solid program. So what methods of communication do we have available? Well, this is the 21st century, and there is a lot of tools at our disposal, probably too many. So let's break it down. Should you have a band website? Yes. Is it very effective? Not really. I mean, it's important to have, but I think a lot of people, they're not going to sit around on a Sunday night and be like, hmm, I'm going to go check out the Shelburne Band webpage right now. That just doesn't happen. I mean, generally, if people are going to your website, it's because they're looking for a calendar for performance dates. Or maybe some prospective parents are looking at it. But for the most part, people, not a whole lot of people are just going to go to your website. It's important to have, and it's important to have it as a redirect to some of your social media outlets. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's not the most effective way of reaching people. Now, sending flyers home is another option. Our schools do something they call Tuesday folders. So whatever papers the kids get that week goes into this Tuesday folder, and then they presumably take it home on Tuesday and bring it back on Wednesday. Now, I'm just having flashbacks of when I was a kid, and my mom would go through my book bag at the end of the year, and there would be, (laughs) she would pull out like, this is a permission form from five months ago. And I'd be like, yeah, oops, I just shoved it in the bottom of my bag. So should you send flyers home? Yes, but it's not gonna make it home for many of the kids. Now, something we've started doing recently that was incredibly effective is using our school's phone blast system. So many school systems now have like a service when you have a snow day that it will text and call parents on this list and let them know that it is a snow day. And there's usually a recording from the superintendent. Hello, parents of Stanton City Schools. We're going to be on a two-hour delay, yada, yada, yada. And then it also sends a text message. So I asked my administration, and I said, is this something that is targetable? Like, can we send something to just fifth grade parents or just elementary school parents and not the whole division. And they looked into it and they're like, yeah, we we can actually target specific groups of people. 
So I said, excellent. We're having our instrument tryout night on May 22nd. Can, can I type up a little blurb and the superintendent read it and have it go out to all the elementary schools? And they're like, sure, why not? And our band enrollment jumped by 20%, which is crazy. That is insane. Just that one little reminder and announcement, and so many more kids showed up for the band tryouts. Now, if you're not allowed to, to use that system, um, or you don't have a system like that, there is an alternative. And I actually did this at the school I was at before my current school. And the story is like, it's kind of a long story that might be a, <laughs> that might be for a future episode. But basically, the guidance department somehow did not pass out course selection forms to the fifth graders. And what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to make a list of all the kids who wanted to be in band, like a paper list, handed to guidance, and then they would then change all those kids' schedules to be in band. And apparently the previous band director did this every year, but they did not communicate this to me as a new teacher in the building. So I'm sitting around on vacation in July and I get a call from my administrator and they're like, why isn't anyone signed up for band? And I was like, what are you talking about? I did all this recruitment stuff and all these kids said that they were going to sign up for band. And I said, didn't, didn't guidance send them some course selection forms? And administration's like, no, we don't do that here. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> they don't do course selection forms. The band director literally makes a paper list, hands it to guidance, and then they manually change all the kids' schedules to be banned, which is nuts. And I guess they did it this way because the only options at that school were banned or like all of the electives. So banned kids did ban a PE and non-banned kids rotated every elective every six weeks. So they didn't do any course selection forms at all. And of course, didn't tell me this as a new teacher to the building. So I came home from my vacation early and I went to guidance and I said, hey, can you put together a spreadsheet of all of the kids' names and their phone numbers? And I spent two days calling every single fifth grader in the division. Now, it took an incredible amount of work, but on the plus side, I got the band enrollment to literally double from the previous year. I mean, it totally blew me away. It was such an informative thing to like talk to a lot of those parents because a lot of them had never done band and they were asking the most crazy questions that as a band person, I'm like, man, that's a really ridiculous question. But coming from a parent who has never been in band, um, it was just really good for them to talk to me one-on-one -on -one and kind of dispel some of the myths that they had, especially as it relates to sports conflicts with band, which there really isn't any in middle school. And it was really great. And, I, and the band enrollment jumped by 50%. It was crazy. So while this is a time-consuming method, it is very, very effective. I don't do this method anymore because we use the phone blast system. But if you're not allowed to do that, calling every kid is very effective. All right, so how does social media fit into this equation. Well, first, you need to understand the age groups and which social media platforms that they're on. For example, if you are age 30 to 80, you're probably on Facebook. There's, there's a near certainty that you're on Facebook. Some of that crowd is on Instagram but nearly all of them are on Facebook. And that is your target demographic for parents. So parents sending middle school age kids or high school age, age kids are in that bracket. So you need to be on Facebook to target that group. A lot of schools have PTA Facebook groups that you can get plugged into to get the word out about stuff. Now, if you're age 15 to 30, there's a near certainty that you're on Instagram and Snapchat. 
Now, for the purposes of recruiting beginning band, this isn't really your demographic yet, but it will be pretty soon. Pretty soon that 15 to 30 crowd are going to be the parents of your kids, and they're still going to be on those platforms. So it's probably useful for you to get an Instagram and a Snapchat account now and start posting some things to it to build up your following by the time those parents reach that target age. Now, if you're age 8 to 15, by and large, those kids are on TikTok. Now, I'm not sure how much you know about TikTok, but if you spend any time around kids these days, you've probably heard the following. Hey yo, rich boy check. They stop. They for real stop. I said stop. My heart went oops. Flee, 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 fly, flee, fly, flee, fly, flow, flow, Sylvester, Sylvester, Kumalala, 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 Sylvester, Kumalala, 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 Sylvester. Oh no 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 Sylvester. Oh no 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 Sylvester. I think that TikTok is an amazing art form. I mean, it's basically video memes. It's amazing the amount of creativity that goes into the platform. In a nutshell, I mean, the kids take audio and video ideas from other people. They morph them to some new crazy idea and then release it. And the cycle just perpetuates over and over and over again. And it's just really, really neat to see the creative space that's there right now. So please do not underestimate TikTok's reach. For example, there's a girl named Charlie D'Amelio who just started making dancing videos on TikTok a little over a year ago. And around Christmas time this past year, she had 10 million followers on TikTok. It's now March and she's up to 30 million followers. That's roughly 10% of the United States population follows her on TikTok. And a lot of people watch her videos and just don't follow her. The crazy thing, she's only been doing this for a little bit over a year. It is just crazy the amount of visibility and growth that the platform provides. If you go ask any middle school kid right now and just say, hey, who's Charlie? They'll tell you, or they might start doing one of her dances like on the spot. So if you're hurting for numbers, get some students to help you make some TikTok videos. There's a lot of like kind of trending memes and songs or dances. And if you go up to some of your students and say, hey, I would like to make a band TikTok. Can you help me make some crazy band related videos? They would absolutely love to help you. They will be giddy with joy to help you make goofy videos to put on there. And then you can say, hey, could you share this around to some of your elementary school friends? And they'll do it. And it's just a powerful tool that you can use right now. Now, of course, it's the year 2020. If you're listening to this podcast 10 years from now, it will probably be some other app at this point. But right now, TikTok is the best place to reach the 8 to 15 demographic. Now, I did some super crazy dance video with some of my kids a little while back. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a little cringy for me to watch nowadays. But at the same time, it was also super effective. When I went to the elementary schools, they were like, oh, man, we saw the video you did with your kids where you're dancing in the band. I mean, it was just nuts the amount of reach that it had. So check that out if you want to see me dance like an idiot and laugh at me. But it's very, very, very effective. Now, of course, it's really important to know what is your school's policy on social media. Now, this has changed a lot since I started teaching. So when I first started teaching in 2007, a lot of schools were completely locked down on social media. They were like, no social media, 
for anything school related, like don't follow students, don't post stuff about your classroom. Like, I mean, some people were saying, don't even put your place of work on your personal Facebook page because it could come back to get you. And I'm sure we've all heard horror stories of, you know, teachers who've been fired for doing things they shouldn't be doing on social media. But a lot has changed since then. A lot of schools are now encouraging teachers to have Twitter accounts for their classroom, to have Facebook groups for their classroom, to have Instagram and TikTok and all this. A lot of schools are promoting that for their school and for their teachers to use. School systems right now kind of range the gamut of don't do social media at all to, hey, use it responsibly and you're fine. Or sometimes you may need to have a parent administrate the page. Or sometimes the school will say, hey, you can have social media, but we need to have a password for it just in case we want to log in. Find out what your school's policy is. In any case, it's best practice not to friend or follow students. Just use it as an advertising platform for your program. Here's an example. So one time we were doing this instrument tryout night, and I had all of our social media stuff set up on this band iPad that just the directors used. And I gave it to one of my kids who was really good at Instagram. And I was like, hey, could you go around the room and take pictures of kids trying out instruments and put it on our Facebook page? And she was more than happy to do so. She was really good at Instagram. So I gave it to her and she did just that. She went around, took a lot of really solid pictures and posted them. But what I found out uh, shortly thereafter is, you know, she also did what kids do when they're on Instagram, which is go through all of their friends' pages and like every single picture. This is kind of funny to understand. Like, if you've ever seen a kid use Instagram, they'll sit down and they will literally like pictures faster than they can look at them. But it's really important that, to them that they like everything. They do like the little double tap heart icon every single picture. The problem is, is they were using my band's uh, Instagram account. And some of the pictures that they liked were pictures of their friends who were age 11 to 14 in bathing suits, like posing at the pool. And then underneath it says, this picture was liked by Shelburne Band. And that freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, I took the iPad and I went and I unliked all of those pictures that she liked. I was like, Whew, okay, so you still have to like, you got to be responsible with it. I would not let kids post things without your knowledge. You just need, you know, keep a tight lid on it and keep monitoring it and you should be fine. Now, if you want a really great example of a band program who's doing social media right, check out Susan Waters' program at Oliver Middle School in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I'm really excited. Susan's going to be our guest on the show next week, and she has a lot of really fun things to share as far as relationship building with students, and I can't wait to get her on the show. But in research for that episode, I checked out her school's Facebook page, and oh my God, it is incredible. Like, they have so much promotional material. They have announcements. They have concert reminders. They have guest people that come in, and they'll take pictures and video of it and post it on the platform. And it has this huge following and reach because they are so active on it and so good about promoting their program. You need to check it out as soon as this episode is done. I'll put a link down in the description, or you can just search Facebook for Oliver Middle School Band. But it is amazing. Check it out because they are doing it right. Now, say your visibility is good. Your communication is amazing. You still have to deal with one more thing to get kids into your program. And that is fear. Fear is one of the biggest things that detracts kids from taking the leap into signing up for band. Let me share something that my predecessor shared with me that is an absolutely incredible recruitment tool. We take four sixth graders, a flute, clarinet, a trumpet, and trombone. We take them down to each elementary school, and we work out a schedule with the fifth grade teachers where they send us four kids at a time from their class. The kids come in, they sit down with one of my sixth grade students, and the sixth grader coaches them into how to make a basic sound on the mouthpiece. 
And after a couple minutes, we rotate to the next instrument. So every single fifth grader in the division tries flute, clarinet, trumpet, and trombone. Now, the main goal here isn't that they pick what instrument they're going to play because we offer 10 starting instruments. The main goal is to take away the fear. It is amazing. Every single year I do this, the kids come up and they're like, oh, this isn't as hard as I thought it was. Or, oh, this is like, this is way easier. Or they say, hey, man, I thought I wasn't going to be able to get a sound at all on flute, and then I sounded really good. And what this does is it takes away the biggest barrier to kids joining band, and that's fear. Kids are so fearful of the unknown. They're scared that learning an instrument is going to be hard or difficult or that they're not going to be good at it. And by bringing some instruments down and having every kid try it, they're like, oh, this is totally fine. And once again, I bring sixth graders down to do this because the sixth graders are very likely to know a lot of those kids. And when possible, I try to bring sixth graders who came from that school so they can make those connections with kids there. Now, at the end of their time with me, I give them a flyer and say, hey, you should check out our instrument tryout night. It's on this date. We would love to have you in band. Now, timing of this is absolutely key. We do this one week before the instrument tryout night. If you do it too far in advance, it won't be fresh on their brains. And we did a little data gathering with this last year. We did some of the schools about a month in advance of the instrument tryout night. And then we did one of the schools the week before the instrument tryout night. And we had more kids come from that school than we have ever had since I started working here. The timing is absolutely critical, especially in this day and age where we have a very short attention span and there's a lot of things competing for our attention. Doing it just one week before handing them the flyer, say, come to our tryout night. It's next week. Give this to your parents right now. It's amazing how effective it is. Let me give you some data on just how crucial this is to our recruitment process. At my school, we do a ton of recruitment stuff, like a lot of recruitment stuff. And a couple of years back, I was like, you know, we're doing a lot. I, I would really like to cut something out of our recruitment process. Our numbers are fine. We get between 80 and 90 kids in sixth grade every year out of 200 kids. I mean, it's good, right? So like, I kind of want to want to back off and maybe take out something. So we decided to take out the, quote, instrument petting zoo. Say, hey, you know, we do an instrument tryout night. I don't know if we need to go to the schools and put an instrument in their hand. Well, I will have you know that our band enrollment for the next year was 55. And it is normally 85. I completely underestimated how much fear of the instruments factors into whether a kid wants to do it or not. So that next year, you better believe I was in that school passing out instruments and letting kids try them. And the following year, our enrollment went right back up into the 90s. Now, I know some of you are probably asking, what if my administration doesn't let me go do any of these things? And I would say you need to sit down and talk with them one on one. Do not send an email. Schedule a face to face meeting to talk with your administration and just have an open conversation about how important this is and how effective it is for you to recruit for your program and build a nice, strong band program. If you sit down and you have a reasonable, nice, polite conversation with them, you'd be surprised what they'd be willing to do. Sometimes it just takes persistence. I had to ask my administration for a budget increase for four years before they gave me one, but when they gave me one, it totally covered all the needs that we had, and it was amazing. Now, I bring this up because I see a lot of people on the band director Facebook group who are just complaining about their administration all the time, but they, they're too scared to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one talk with their administration. It is so easy 
for someone to say no to an email. If you're asking for things in an email, your likelihood of getting a no is very high. But if you sit down one-on-one and talk to them, you have a much higher chance of them agreeing to let you do something that you haven't done before. Now, sometimes the elementary school administration doesn't want you to come, especially in the spring when they're getting ready for standardized tests and that sort of thing. It's hard for them to give up time with their kids because they're worried about testing. Here's what I recommend. First, have your principal talk to their principal. I know in our division, we have periodic principals meetings where all of the principals for all the schools get together and they talk about a number of things. So we say, hey, could you could you talk to the principal at such and such elementary school and kind of pitch this idea to them? It would be really helpful for making our band program here really awesome. And a lot of times, if you get that principal to principal connection, they'll be willing to do a lot of things that they would have said no to just you for. Another thing you can do is go talk to those elementary school principals in person. I can't stress enough how easy it is to say no to an email. Like go talk to them one-on-one, shake their hand, make sure you're looking nice. Say, hey, I would love for your kids to experience band. A lot of kids are afraid of band and I want to help them overcome that fear. Can we do the following things to show them that it's not a scary place to be and we can get some nice, healthy band enrollment? You'd be surprised at what they'd be willing to agree to if you just go talk to them in a reasonable and calm way. Now, what if you try all of this and administration still doesn't want you to do anything? I definitely have a couple colleagues who are in that situation right now where their administration does not want them to visit other schools. They will not grant them leave to do so. They're not interested in the band program growing. And if that is the case, you kind of have to figure out, okay, am I okay with where things are now with with stagnation? Is like, do I like working here enough that I'm okay with a program stagnating or not? Because if they're absolutely unwilling to budge and you've done everything in your power and your program can't grow anymore because you're not allowed to do recruitment activities, then maybe it's time to start looking for another school. And sometimes that's the best thing for you personally. If you're trying and trying and trying and it's not happening and you have mentors giving you advice and their advice isn't working, Sometimes just a change of scenery, a change of administration is enough to, to get things kickstarted for you and to make some positive change. But that would be my absolute last resort. I would definitely try having a lot of sit down conversations first. If you have some really good strategies that you would like to share, check out our Facebook group, The Flying Baton, and I'll put a link to this episode. Feel free to comment any strategies that have been really helpful for you recruiting for your program or any questions if you're trying to get your recruitment off the ground. If you have any questions on how to go about things, please feel free to ask on Facebook and we'll see what we can do. You know what time it is. This week's pick is Tuba in Cuba by Victor Lopez, published by Alfred. Going with the theme of today's episode, I know not everyone starts tuba in sixth grade, but if you do, this is the perfect piece to play on a recruitment concert to get kids really excited about the most crucial instrument in the band. I learned about this piece from my friend Kate Cobb, who used to teach here in Virginia and now teaches up in Chicago, Illinois. And I came to one of her concerts and she invited every tuba player that she could find, middle school, high school, teacher, whoever. And then they all sat on the front of the stage with their feet hanging off. And then the band played Tuba in Cuba, which has this epic tuba solo in it.
And it was such a cool moment. And it was really awesome to highlight those kids who normally sit in the back of the band and nobody can see. This song is very approachable to first-year students. The trumpets go up to C in the staff, but only a couple times. Clarinets don't go over the break, and it's only one part for instrument. I highly recommend this piece, especially if you're doing a recruitment concert. If you check out the show notes, I'll include a link of where you can listen to the piece in its entirety and purchase it. This has been... All right, everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. Don't forget to check out that Facebook page for further discussion on this topic. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us on the Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.